listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. The Hong Kong International Literary Festival is now in full swing, and from now until the fifteenth of November, you're able to go to the events in person or online. And for more, you can go to their website, which is festival.org.hk. And as their proud broadcast partner, Radio Three will also be featuring a number of their authors and speakers. And this afternoon, I'm really, really excited to be chatting to Lisa. Lang, who is an associate head and associate professor from the Department of Cultural Studies from Lingnan University, and uh, Lisa joins us in the studio today. How are you doing, Lisa? Hi, hi, Noreen. It's been a while. <laughs> It's great to see. I know. Um, so, Lisa uh, used to host a program for Radio Three called Under the Covers, and it's a media, it's a media expose show. Well, it's to, to look at um, sort of different stories covered uh, in 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 that week, mm. and it was a wonderful program. Yeah, yeah. that was. Uh, Uh, sort of like a you know last century already. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight of of my week. <laughs> and now uh, Lisa is back, and uh, you've just written a book called Ethnic Minorities, Media and Participation in Hong Kong: Creative and Tactical Belonging. Um, tell us what it's about. Well, uh, it's a long title, <laughs> and I'm actually thankful to the literary festival for you know for giving me a chance to like you know sort of. Uh, Um, share with um, people more, you know, where this book comes from and what it actually means. Um, I think it's uh, by minority participation. I was actually focusing on um, South Asians in Hong Kong. By South Asians, I mean Indians, Pakistanis, and Nepalese. Now, the reason why I focus on them is that um, I think, obviously, as people know. Um, Uh, these uh, three ethnicities have been in Hong Kong for really ever since, yeah, you know, um, yeah, British colonized Hong Kong, and and yet we see over the years um, they've still been, you know, sort of uh, um, working in the lower ebbs of society, and what I call like they've been suffering from like what called structural, you know, uh, marginalization, if not discrimination, and we can talk more about it to the point where. Um, um, it definitely has affected their sense of belonging, but then over the years, as you see, uh, second and third generation South Asians, uh, many of them have been born uh, or raised in Hong Kong. They call Hong Kong their home. They don't. They don't. Uh, they know no other places like their home because and they're born see, and raised here yeah, in Hong Kong, yeah. and they're educated here. So they um, naturally they feel, you know. Um, Uh, you know that they belong to Hong Kong, and yet they don't feel being recognized. I think the lack of, you know, the kind of social and political exclusion, um, uh, or even discrimination, uh, definitely, uh, you know, makes them feel like, you know, why is that? You know, um, why is why is this happening? And I think uh, um, it also happens at the time when, you know, after the handover, Hong Kong has gone through quite drastic, you know, political change, and then we see the rise of social movements, and then you begin to see. You know um, these young, you know, ethnic minority youths coming out and voicing out and uh, joining in protest and to say loudly to Hong Kong people, we are also Hong Kongers. So I guess you know uh, my book is really trying to um, to look at you know how this happened, how this you know sort of years of structural you know discrimination happened, and then you know how some minority youths have. Uh, resort to different means uh, to voice out, you know, to voice out like, you know, hey, we're here, you know, to protest and to gain recognition, but also to show their desire, you know, to be, you know, to belong. 
So basically, you know, I explained, you know, uh, the long title, hence um, uh, what I mean by tactical and creative, you know, belonging is that, you know, how they can, you know, make use of their own talent, uh, make use of different platforms uh, from media to um, social to artistic practices to actually sh um, voice out, you know, to voice out against the mainstream, but also to desire this kind of belonging that, you know, um, uh, we have um, our place here in Hong Kong. So uh, I think this is what the book is about. And I think um, when I started to uh, go on to this journey, what I call journey, is that, you know, I think back in 2009, believe it or not, that, you know, I've uh, started to look into, you know, um, uh, South Asian minorities. Uh, I think that was also because of, you know, when you remember, you know, the uh, racial discrimination bill was stipulated in 2008 yes. and I think you know um, and and uh, there's been so much you know uh, so much um, discussion and controversy going on to the point like you know finally um, that okay finally the bill is out but then you also see that there are so many loopholes you know uh, in the bill that I came that brought me uh, brought to my attention that you know why why is this um, and of course thanks to uh, one of the uh, 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 one of the uh, nice souls in Hong Kong Fermi Wong you know she's been Fermi yes. yeah she's been really you know it's lot like you know uh, uh, voicing out uh, 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 lobbying the government uh, for better, you know, education policies for the ethnic minorities. So I, I thought to myself, okay, let's, you know, uh, start researching about. It. And the more I, the, I looked into it, the more I find that, you know, why is it that there's nobody who actually did this? You know, nobody who actually has uh, uh, engaged in systematic research into the lives and the struggles of South Asian minorities in Hong Kong. I think that's just what started all this yeah what a fantastic journey you've been on and and big shout out to unison as, as you mentioned you know they've continued yeah. uh, wonderful advocacy work for for many of the ethnic minorities here in Hong Kong um, Lisa you mentioned something very interesting just now and you know it's about oh by the way we are on Facebook live forgot to mention uh, you can see uh, Lisa there you can comment and and feel free to to drop us an email as well uh, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 you mentioned something really interesting just now and it's that these ethnic minorities they're really essentially born and bred and raised in Hong Kong this is their home and yet they have while they have the sense of belonging they're not really some of them are not really recognized by the wider public as you know they get questioned you know oh are you really from Hong Kong mm. um you know why is that um, I guess uh, there are quite a few reasons uh, uh, if I try to rationalize this <laughs> I think um, uh, demographically, you know, they are, you know, um, minorities, right? You know, um, when you look at, you know, um, Indians and Pakistanis and Nepalese, um, the, all of them added together comes up to like around about 1% of the whole Hong Kong population. And so you see that they are numerical minorities. And that somehow becomes, you know, the reason, uh, if not justification for the fact that, well, you know, let's not think about it, you know. They, you know, uh, they won't they make it too much. Culture, and yeah, they have their own culture. They have their own culture. And and I think this is also maybe uh, partly to do with, you know, the the colonial history of Hong Kong, where, you know, um, the, you know, uh, the, the then government uh, was kind of, you know, poised 
to you know develop you know uh, too much of a you know a systematic policy for ethnic minorities. Um, uh, we can talk more about it if you want. But I think uh, to cut a long story short, I think uh, this is also what I meant. You know, from structural discrimination, which means that you know. Um, uh, there is this language uh, issue where you know, the education the is stacked up against them. Where even in your book you mentioned in 2014, you know, it was mentioned that they could learn, ethnic minorities can learn Chinese as a second language. While some people may say it's a it's a good thing, others will say, well, it actually brings the the level of learning of mm. the Chinese language to a to a proficiency of a primary three year old, which means then essentially they're not able to get a better job and progress in that sort of. Uh, Employment ladder. So you see, there is a kind systemic of systemic racism. Exactly, yes. and so because you know they always fall, you know, in these crev crevasses of you know this language, Chinese language requirements uh, to be able to enter into university. So you, over the years, have seen so few, you know, um, South Asian minority students make it, you know, to the university, yeah. and with that, it all. It's basically just automatically pose a glass ceiling yeah. you know so that you know oh you don't have a university degree which basically seals your fate in terms of you know the the kind of jobs that you can go into and and hence uh, and so and so forth so with this um, you know um, what we call exclusion or non-recognition as I call it you, you have you you find you know uh, economic unrecognition, social unrecognition, political unrecognition, to the point where of course you know if you talk to you know um, many South Asians they see they they see they still feel that you know everyday life there is you know this kind of you know racism going on like you know uh, of course typical stories is like you know uh, nobody wants to sit next nobody to wants to sit next on a to bus. you yeah, I, so there's always an empty space yeah, and yeah. then. Yeah, and so by the by, you, you can what you can see is that um, there is this minoritization, but there is also this what I call oh, um, self minoritization. Uh, so over what does the years, self minoritization, uh, which means that. Uh, uh, it's developed into uh, in their the culture among the ethnic minority communities that okay if you if we're excluded then you know we can't be bothered to you know sort of uh, be assimilated, assimilated. Uh, sure. because we just you know don't see what the benefits are so this uh, so it creates a more uh, of a division yeah. within yes. the society yes and and on the other hand they have developed their, themselves uh, a set of survival skills or uh, what I call talents. You know, uh, uh, to you know, to, or tactics, you know, to negotiate this. So it ranges from you know a set of survival skills to um, like uh, ways of talking back uh, uh, in different scenarios. To like um, nowadays, as you see, they uh, also have find themselves more spaces in the social media. They set up their own web page. They do their own and YouTube web channels. YouTube channels. <laughs> uh, yeah, they dance and then um, and then like in uh, my uh, chapters, I'd see you know how they go into fashion shows. They organize their own fashion shows. Um, they do their own radio programs thanks yes. to RTHK. CIBS, CIBS program. Yes. 
you can just see, you know, how their talent takes them. So that's what I mean by creative belonging too. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we have a, a few comments on Facebook as well. Uh, Ethan writes in to say, "Great topic, Professor. The ethnic minority population also contribute to the development and economy of Hong Kong over the years. Uh, yet they have been fighting for equal opportunities on various aspects: education, job opportunities, promotion, etc." And uh, also adds, uh, "The government has been promoting uh, social inclusion, but." So far, there are some improvements, but still not equal. And that thought comes from Ethan. Uh, thank you very much, uh, indeed, for your sharing. Um, what about uh, Lisa? What about that point? You know that the government are actively trying to promote social inclusion. So in schools, you know, um, a lot of ethnic minorities are in mainstream schools, um, and uh, they are able to sort of learn with, with their Chinese peers. Is that a sort of right step in in, in the right direction? Well, I have to say that um, uh, slowly. But surely, you know, there have been more effort in uh, including uh, um, ethnic minorities into the mainstream. Uh, for example, in terms of education, after years of loud protest by Unison, that this um, Chinese as a second language. Uh, 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 is uh, finally adopted in the curriculum, but then it also causes a lot of debates. Like, you know, why do you set, you know, at you know, the fact that you know this is a second language, as if you know it's kind of secondary or subordinated under, uh, uh, and uh, to justify for the lack of efforts to bring up, you know, resources to help uh, elevate, you know, the Chinese language standards of ethnic minorities. So I think you know it's definitely going the right way. But then I think we have a long road ahead um, because we also still see that, you know, in terms of employment, there's always uh, going to be this kind of stigma uh, or stereotype that ethnic minorities or what I say specifically, South Asian minorities are only good at some kind of jobs. The the jobs like, uh, again, menial jobs like, you know, blue construction, blue collar work, um, watch guards, uh, even cleaners. Because I think, you know, that's also the result of, you know, years of, you know, their collective effort and um, uh, and hard work in, in construction that kind of has created amongst them uh, a name, a reputation. But uh, sadly, it shouldn't be limited to just one yeah, exactly. sort of career. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but this is also the kind of stigma, the social stigma that we have on them that, oh, they're only good at, you know, just construction uh, and then you know by the way by way of you know justifying their stereotypes that oh they're not good at other things else so I guess you know this the, in this book I'm trying to just uh, document uh, the various talents you know, uh, South Asian uh, youth have, and let's start recognizing that. Yeah, and in your book you feature a number of really positive role models, and I think it comes down to that. You know, I think when younger ethnic minority children here in Hong Kong see how you know others have progressed in society, it gives them hope. I, we all need it, to be honest. You know, mm. and I think in your book you highlight um, a, a few wonderful role models. Tell us a few stories that uh, you, you've uh, t people you've interviewed there. Um, I think he, now we have a few names, a few celebrities, shall I say, um, like um, Jeffrey Andrews. Amazing. Uh, yeah, he's become quite an icon, you know, uh, um, to represent the South Asian uh, minority community. He himself is a social worker and he himself has, you know, his story is based, is just the kind of story. The things that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has gone through a, uh, a rough path, but um, 
I think that also goes back to the whole, you know, structural exclusion, you know, of uh, South Asian minorities. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, he uh, was um, uh, encouraged by Unison and he uh, went to, you know, the path of advocacy. And that's also helped him gain his uh, social work degree. And then over, you know, the recent years, you also see him, you know, taking part in, you know, forming these groups of, you know, uh, like-minded South Asian youth to really sort of voice out and uh, um, participate in public rallies. And I think one turning point was really uh, during the Umbrella Movement, he and his uh, good friends um, would patrol the site of Admiralty, you know, where, you know, well, it's it's like uh, the last century again. the, the sites of Admiralty where, you know, a lot of people, the protesters camped out. And then just every night they would just uh, patrol the, this uh, area um, to, you know, shout slogans uh, that, um, in support of, you know, pro-democracy movements, but also uh, with the banner carrying uh, the slogan, we are also one of you. You know, we are also Hong Kongers. So in one chapter, um, I was actually talking about how um, uh, ethnic minority groups have been setting up uh, Facebook pages <laughs> and social media um, and, uh, with a title like uh, Ethnic Minority Initiatives. So documenting their different initiatives, you know, in society. And uh, we know of their really sort of noble acts of uh, gifting, what I say, gifting to uh, street sleepers and homeless people on Chinese New Year Day. And they would use these uh, social media postings to say, you know, uh, come join us. You know, we have this uh, wonderful charitable event uh, where we, you know, sort of give breakfast uh, to street sleepers. Uh, But then on these Facebook pages, they also say very strongly and loudly that, you know, see what we have done for the society. And uh, we are because we are Hong Kongers. We are one of you. So that uh, the title of that chapter is actually called "We Are You," even more than you. Yeah, we are you. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> really, really walking in our shoes and us in their shoes as well. Um, on Facebook, uh, Dejeray says exactly and uh, adds, but in many Western countries, people with different skin color are marginalized, and uh, they add it's um, orient- orientalism, the West and the rest. Well, in this case, it's sort of the East and and, and the Southeast. Um, What about that point? You know, maybe in Hong Kong, we we do have um, this unspoken racism or maybe there's this sort of uh, uncomfortable thing that we don't want to address. And perhaps it is racism that, you know, it's passed on from generation to generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we see, you know, this is becoming, you know, a worldwide topic. Right. Uh, uh, And I'm not saying that, you know, this is... uh, specific to Hong Kong, absolutely not. And in, indeed, we see, you know, the rise of, you know, um, anti-racism campaigns uh, in the world. And in the US, of course, you know, Black Lives Matter. And uh, in during the point of writing, you know, um, the the unhappy incidents, you know, uh, of George, uh, George Floyd, Floyd yes. and then that just re-triggered the whole Black Lives Movement. So I guess, you know, um, my book is trying to say that, you know, let's uh, let's put this uh, question in the context of Hong Kong. And um, I have to say that um, over the years, we have been talking about, you know, racial discrimination. But then when, when you ask around, people say, what, racism? No. Oh, I'm not a racist. 
but you know there's always going <laughs> to be a, a but, but right which kind of dot 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 speaks a lot mm. i think this is also a tactic among us that you know we we try to avoid you know mm. avoid even touching on the topic of racism because that's a really sort of a it's it's almost like a quicksand like, nobody wants to admit to it and they'll exactly, always say yeah. it's like you know i'm not you know i'm not racist um i i have a pakistani friend or you know something like that and as if that magically erases any other tendencies that, that people have um, I must say that, Lisa, you're also doing, very quickly, you're doing a talk uh, for this year's International Literary Festival and uh, you're moderating an event uh, which is happening uh, on the 14th uh, of November from 10 o'clock till 11 o'clock at JC Cube in Tycoon and it is about how to talk about race. Um, can you give us a, a, a small flavor without giving too much away? You know, what can, <laughs> what can people expect about this? Well, I guess um, uh, my book, uh, while it uh, documents a lot of these stories about you know, uh, South Asian minorities, the question about race is not really seriously you know, sort of taken down and tackled. And ever since you know, uh, people started to know about my book, they were saying, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, well, why don't we talk about racial, racial discrimination? And then you slowly start to hear that, you know, uh, um, slowly but surely, people start to be aware of the fine line between race and ethnicity, um, which, you know, I think has been fudged over the years. And I, I'm really looking forward to the Saturday's panel where, you know, we can actually sit down and really talk about race. And um, I, I know that they have invited people like Jeffrey Andrews. Uh, Vivek was originally, you know, um, able to, to join us but uh, he has also sent his apologies and and also um, Harmony we call her Harmony, Harmony who's yes. uh, yeah the Congolese um, by Congolese uh, ethnic origin a racial origin uh, a model uh, we uh, had an emergent model program, yeah. oh really okay yeah so we have these real people you know to join our panel to really you know um, unpack the whole you know un untangled issue about race so I'm really looking forward to that panel yeah well Lisa thank you so much for writing this wonderful book as well I know it'll be released uh, hopefully next January um, and you know your book also uncovers many of these untold stories which is really important to start this conversation uh, here in Hong Kong because it's by talking about these things then people gain a better understanding and the various narratives and you know we can you know understand it a bit better and create a, a better Hong Kong now our listeners can also uh, watch Lisa in action this Saturday on the 14th of November at JC cube in tycoon uh, from 10 o'clock to 11:30, and Lisa will be moderating a wonderful panel of guests and the event is called how to talk about race um, and remind our listeners once again how can we find out more about you and your your work uh, Lisa have you got a web page or are you active on social media at all um if you search Lisa Long, I guess on the Facebook page and uh, I am uh, I work at Lingnan University so you can reach me through you know the university web page excellent well thank you so much uh, Professor Lisa Lung who's written a book called ethnic minorities media and participation in Hong Kong creative and tactical belonging thank you very much indeed for your time today thank you Noreen I hope to see all of you see you soon